disappeared from the timeline. He's got nobody. He doesn't have a home. Spider boy wants to be a sidekick. Blades hard when he's out alone. Can I be the only one who likes you? Spider boy, can it be true? Cause everyone here hates Dan Slot. He's blocked us all I know. And because everyone here hates Dan Slot, Spider boy, we'll just go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 24, legacy numbering 524. I'm here with my man, Matt. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? What up? I'm going to have to do a new theme song for this. Uh I've been doing too many theme songs the last couple of days. You're going a little crazy with the theme songs. I'm a little tired. (laughs) I have to get my money's worth. I ended up getting some program, and I'm getting my money's worth with it. You sure are. It just ends up, you should see me giggling to myself, just making stuff for myself. But with all of these things here and there, yeah, I'll have to maybe get something going. But this one, it works out. The reason I needed ones for the other shows is you can't have licensed songs as your theme or they get taken down on the YouTube. But that is a good way for me to segue in and say as we go into this episode where me and Matt are going to be talking about three books, the three books we pick, and then... Zach will be at the end of the books that we didn't pick. He'll end up doing a little alien predator deal. We'll see if we can mix some other things in as well. But we'll be talking about some big things, including the Ultimate Spider-Man, that we were really excited about after the first issue. But before we do that, go over to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. Check out written reviews from Sus Gabe. Then go over to our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics. Check out some video reviews and commentary over there. And then you can check out our Patreon, last but not least, to help us out for everything we do here and get a lot of exclusive shows in return, like what me and you are going to be starting on our Crisis podcast coming up this week, House of M is what we're going to get into. So cool to mention on the Marvel side, but we'll kick into it. we got three books. As we said, I already mentioned Ultimate Spider-Man. We're also going to be talking Spider-Boy and then a little Hulk, but... Ultimate Spider-Man is the big book again for the week, if you ask me. And we're going to start with that. Ultimate Spider-Man number two. And it is written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Marco Cicchetto. Colors by Matthew Wilson. Letters by VCs Corey Petit. We talked about it. We liked the first issue a lot. We were intrigued by it. A lot of people complained about a couple things. One thing I will mention that somebody mentioned after the fact. I'm like, yeah, you know, that kind of makes sense. The idea... Aunt May was killed in a terrorist attack that uh-huh. most of the people should and seem to believe was Tony Stark. You know, that was set up, but Tony's the one who gives Spider-Man the spider and he goes right with it. He doesn't question it. It is a little odd. He should hate him with every fiber of his being. Yeah. Yeah. And so that idea, but maybe we'll have things revealed. I give Jonathan Hickman credit. The guy's a smart guy. Maybe. Oh, yeah. 
because of what's going on at the paper and what Jake Jonah was like, maybe he's already aware that it was, but we should have known that. I I didn't even think of it because I was excited about, oh man, he's got it, the spider. But yeah, it's, it's a little odd. But we go into this issue. I'll tell you, I think this issue is, it pulls back a little, but it has to set up things. And if people were upset that there was no Spider-Man in the first one, well, we get Spider-Man here. He actually does put on the suit. It looks more like the black symbiote suit, the way that it's set up here, which is crazy. But you also, you know, play. We we talked about it where how is it going to play out? Does, he's, he's older now. He's got to learn how to do it. It's okay. Yeah, you he's see, learning. He's quippy. <laughs> he's learning. And he's a little naive. With the villains, he doesn't really understand, you know, the back and forth and what he should and shouldn't trust. But he's going around. He's learning. I do like at the page, too, where you see him first. And it says February. A little time is gone. But as he's swinging, it looks like he he's like way overusing webs. Like he isn't used to it yet. And there's just webs everywhere in that first deal. But it looks cool. Yeah, because if it's a, it's a, if it's a symbiote suit, he's not actually making the webs himself. Yeah, so, so and he's just it, they're all over the place. Yeah. but. It's actually a picture we see in the first bit because it pulls out and you do have May, his daughter, and you have Richard, his son. They're eating breakfast, it looks like, and you have May's like she's scared of the Spider-Man. And you would be. I mean, it, he looks pretty scary. And they're talking if he's real, if it's Photoshop. And it's funny that my wife, like she'll just run into the room random times where <laughs> she'll be like, oh, my God. You got to see this picture. I just saw, you know, so-and-so riding on two sharks getting attacked by a brontosaurus. And I'm like, really? Like, you don't think that's a... She did, She was behind the curve of the AI, like, realizing how good it could be. But you have Richard's there like, ah, it's made up. It's Photoshop. It's not real. And then Peter kind of, like, listening in. But mm-hmm. he doesn't realize because it's, oh, it's like he thinks he's being sly. Like, oh... Well, do you think it's real? Man? Like, yeah, remember when your brother didn't think that unicorns were real? And she's like, but they are. And he's like, well, there you go. Spider-Man yeah. is real. And then she goes, but he's scary. Okay, let's pretend he's not real. <laughs> Throws him off, though. But I, I thought that that's kind of a, a fun little deal. Yeah. And we'll see. May actually finds out, which is crazy. But, yeah, she's got to stop drawing pictures, though. But. You have this and <laughs> you have Mary Jane. She's got to go off to work, all these things. She just is in and out in this issue. She's not doing much. Yeah, she's in busy. This. Yeah, so she's going to go off and be busy. They have a babysitter coming. Peter's going to go out and she says at the last, but oh, you, are you working out? He's like, mm, look it. And he is. We know this. Plus, you know, the, the strength and stuff that you would get from just being you know, in the symbiote suit. All yeah, that. Well, it, it's weird too, because I, I felt like at the end of the last issue or when he decided to be Spider-Man, she kind of like wink, wink, knew yeah, what was I thought going that on. She knew too. It must've been she something doesn't. different that she thought, but yeah, the whole spider deal. And now he's, I mean, look at him when he's in the suit. I mean, he is ripped. Yeah. So he's like, yeah. And you see him, he's picking up buses. He's doing his things. <laughs> he's actually having a lot of problems stopping. It's it's like when you first start roller skating or ice skating or even like skateboarding, the stopping is the worst. And he goes into a water tower. Yeah, he's crashing into those water towers. Can you imagine the damage that would cause all that water falling on you? I, I get that you even have Marco Cacetto, like that looks very much homage of the deal when he's in the sewer and the mm-hmm. water's pouring on him. It's it's cool. The art yeah. looks really good. And 
So we were doing that, and I'm like, okay, well, what are we going to do? You have this whole play with Spider-Man. Oh, we're going to go to the Russian-Turkish baths, are we? I thought, okay, well, what are we doing? And this is where I heard a lot of people say the first issue was a lot of yakety yak. And I liked it. But this gets a little bit to you go and it's it's Jay Jonah Jameson and Uncle Ben in the, the baths. They're in the steam baths. Just talking about, you know, things about it starts with Jay Jonah. It's that natural dialogue. It's kind of cool. Might go on a little too much, like I said, but Jay Jonah's like, I haven't eaten or drank anything but coffee in the past. Do you think it's dangerous? Decades. And Uncle Ben's like, well, if I said it was, what are you going to listen? No, well, yeah, I don't think it's very good, or you should just keep doing it. It doesn't matter. And he's like, oh, a cup yeah, of coffee in the morning is not so bad. I mean, what's yeah. he? Well, I, I think <laughs> what he's saying is that it's like, that's all he's had. He's like, I haven't even eaten anything. I've just drank <laughs> coffee. I'm like, yeah, that could be bad. I love that. He's like, no apple juice. Yeah. So, what are you, a kid? You're not five. <laughs> I think that people will get annoyed with this just because they want more info. We want because we're in this new, you know, newly made universe, but it's okay. You see how much friends they are. It, it mm-hmm. sets up to me that one of them's dying very quickly. But yeah, they're, they're talking about this whole, you know, deal and, and the Spider Man that has popped up and what's going on. Ben seems to be more on the case of. What this Spider-Man is That's more of a distraction We see it later It is also The picture that is This big to-do Is by Peter And J. Jonah's like Well, why didn't he give it to us? And we're not really us yet We haven't started And it doesn't work for us So it's that kind of Funny play And I like where J. Jonah's like You know, he doesn't work for us So he doesn't He's like, yeah, well With that attitude It'll never work for us mm-hmm. It's classic J. Jonah yeah, yeah, yeah. But J. Jonah He's also, you know, they're both going back and forth with distraction, what it is, what it isn't. And, yeah, they're going to figure out what the story is. They're the ones who are trying to really uncover the big story because the Fisk stuff and all that. And it's weird where Uncle Ben does get, like, this inside info. And I swear, like, you're really trying to push him. Is it like pushing him to be the goblin? Because, like, that you would think, like, where would he get this info about, you know, the attacks and stuff? But me and you were talking before. We don't think that it's him. We no. already said that, that that armor wouldn't fit. He's a big no way. dude. Plus, he's older. But it's just that weird play that they're doing with it. But, yeah, they're like, let's get to work. Hey, we got to figure out a name for the, you know, our new endeavor. And they're going to go off and do that. So then we go back to Spidey. And he's going around, he's he's flipping around. This reminds me, what it reminds me a lot of, and I said before that it, the whole setup reminds me of the Millerverse a bit, really reminds yep. me of the beginning of Kick-Ass. At the beginning of Kick-Ass, when he decides to get in that outfit, and then he's just hanging for months, like weeks, and he's like, yeah, I'm just doing that. And then he kind of stumbles into trouble, and does, yeah. that's what happens here. Spider-Man's just flinging around. And even like at points wondering if he should do it, what? But he sees this guy, and that's cool because you know it's the shocker. Yeah, like an up, a, a different uh, outfit. Yeah, uh, different it's cool though. That I like how Chetto does it because you still know it's the shocker, but it's different. So you're like, okay, there he is. He's got you know the same kind of deal, but like you said, in a different way. But he's gonna break into this bank, and uh, Peter has like a bit of the talk down when he comes but it's funny because he doesn't know what to do and he's fooled so easily by the shocker <laughs> so naive to, oh it's so and he's like hey uh what's going on you're trying to get in that bank and he's like uh yeah but what are you supposed to be i'm going in i need the money and hey you know what the spider-man's like 
you shouldn't do that. He's like, oh, you know what? You you ended up changing my mind. Thank you. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to go I, home. I can just imagine <laughs> how he's saying this, like so like over the top, like, oh, I didn't think of that. Thank you, Spider-Man. Oh, my goodness gracious. And he's like, thank you. Can I shake your hand? You're like, don't do it. And he shocks him. And you know what's going to happen. So it's kind of funny. Peter gets shocked bad, too. He just gets knocked for a loop, gets thrown off this building, lands a bunch of machines. It's so crazy. But while that's going on, you know, the shocker just gets away. Peter's trying to figure out exactly what he's going to do. And he goes home and he makes the huge mistake, though, of when he gets home. And he says, I can't believe I fell for that. Oh, God, he crawls into the window. But he's got to take that suit off. And he doesn't. That's the thing. I'm like, I'm wondering if he, he even really ever takes it off or kind of just adapts and he's used to it but by he now. Should but he still ad- adapt the mask off because, yeah, because people are going to walk in. And if Mary Jane doesn't know, then you really have to try There's it. something going on with that suit. I, I just, I don't know what. It's not exactly like the, the, the Venom suit, but it's something different going on here. And if, if you had the idea, like, when he came back from Secret Wars and had the black suit, remember, he didn't want to take it off. Like, it, it, it feels different, but we don't know. We'll have to see how yeah, it is. Like, he doesn't, um, Hickman's got something good going on. He doesn't that. feel addicted to the suit yet, mm-hmm. but maybe that, and maybe you're going to play an idea because if you do go that route, there doesn't seem to be a Reed Richards to go and talk to him about it because that's yeah. who, you know, that whole play. So we'll see. But he's there eating ice cream. <laughs> It is cute. When you see May and she's just standing there with her stuffed animals looking and like she is scared, but she's surprised. And all of a sudden, this thing she's afraid of is in the house. Yeah, it's in the house with her. And her dad is wearing the suit. It's crazy. And she's like, uh, and she looks, sees, and then it's really well done the way that her eyes start welling up and she starts sniffling. And that's where people, oh boy. And then she's like, then it looks, she sobs and he takes the deal off it it dissipates off and says it's me don't yell it's okay it's me you don't have to be afraid of it anymore are you okay and she starts to kind of you know come to the you know she realizes it's peter but she still doesn't like the outfit but i like where peter he's so he's pretty manipulative like hey listen we won't tell your mom or brother this is our list yeah super soft that yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and uh She's like, okay, and he's like, so you're not, you're not afraid anymore. And she's like, well, you smell bad. And he's like, well, I wasn't a dumpster. I'm sorry, yeah. but. And she's like, no, no, it's also that that costume is scary. I don't, I don't like it. And he says, well, we'll, we'll work on that later. And you, you get that, okay, yeah, we're gonna get the, you know, blue and red. But I thought it would, I, I didn't think it was gonna be pushed as quick as it is in this because. With all of that going on, you did go off to Fisk. Fisk is, again, the, the Spider-Man is a distraction to everyone. And Fisk is kind of there. And he's being told by Monsieur Britain, mm-hmm. you know, Jamie, who is part of the higher-ups and saying, you got to start keeping things in line here. You better get with it. And, yeah, kind of threatening Fisk. And Fisk, I, I like where Fisk fights back because... You do have where all these people in control of the different areas, and then they're allowing things like Fisk. It's almost like, you know, a fiefdom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And says, yeah, you just keep pretending, you know, play king and make sure you, you know, keep your house clean. And, all. and he's like, I'm not playing. I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. But he's had a bunch of attacks on him. They're trying to kill him. So he has that going on. That's what I think they're threatening him about. You know, Fisk has been warned. You got to get things in order. 
don't, you know, we don't need these distractions. We don't need this crazy. And Peter being Spider-Man, you know that Tony, who's doing this, gave him the, th- he knows what he's doing. He, this is the distraction they need to bring the rest of the heroes out of the woodwork and to kind of form all that. And I think that's what the higher ups are aware of and want to try to stop again, very much like, like a Miller world stuff, like a oh, wanted, yeah. but Spider-Man goes out again. Runs in the shocker again and he's like Oh here we are again I'm not going to be fooled by you Shocker tries to get away And then says you know what Just doing this because my wife's sick And we can't afford we don't have Insurance He falls for it again He gets fooled again Yeah and he says are you lying And then Shocker's like yeah And they kind of go at it Shocks the crap out of him yeah And then he he can fly too with the shockers. That's pretty cool. Like he uses it to like, yeah, it's totally different than it's like Iron Man's suit kind of with Mm -hmm. the deal. And so he ends up where back in the dumpster. Green Goblin is there watching it, just standing there looking. And if you go by the solicit of this issue, it says the New York City introduced to their new hero, the Goblin. I'm like, he very well could be. I mean, he's attacking Fisk. He's he's attacking Fisk. Yeah, I mean, that's not. You, you That's think a different of, take. Like, somebody's attacking, they're in the bad, but there's bad things that I do believe because of what we're doing. This is more of that conspiracy theory who's in charge. Like, that's how the people in the, this universe would think, you know, somebody else is. And I think he's on the case, too. And it's it like a vigilante type. Seems like it'd be Harry, but we'll, we'll see. We'll, you'll see who it might be. And then that's the ending. And it's it's a quick read. It, that little bit in the. Steam room. It did. That was four pages. I was counting it. That's that's a lot. Yeah, it it does put a little bit of the pacing off. But once you yeah. get to the stuff, it's fun. But I guess maybe Hickman, because you're doing all these things and juggling them, Peter being Spider-Man, he's just doing goofy things right now because he's just learning. It's fun, and I like seeing it. But maybe you know the bigger conspiracy stuff with Jay Jonah and Uncle Ben. But when Peter comes home, and you know, at least he uh, he should dissipate everything when he but he's there and he has a glass of milk and then may is already making pictures and things that should watch out but how do you tell a little girl like that like ixnay on the pictures pay but yeah it's supposed to be a secret yeah dad <laughs> i drew a picture of your spider i hope you like it it's blue and red so it's mm-hmm. cool i mean it's that's a cool thing and then uh but that's the thing too is it's almost like he's gonna give it up like, man, I'm not really good at this. This kind of sucks. And then he sees that and it's like, nah, eh, maybe I'll go one more day. Yeah, it's inspirational for him. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. But it, it just think of it. You see the blue and the red, right? And then the, the kicker line at the end is, I think I'll give it one more day. And you're like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> he's like joking around with, with some things that actually make me giggle mm-hmm. with how he's referencing things and all and saying that while he's referencing his daughter. Which is the the whole play of you know the deal. So I I thought that was pretty clever. By the end, a little wink, wink. But uh, it's it's good. Like we said, I'm still enjoying it. I don't think it was good, but a first issue that's so like, oh my god, this is so cool. Let's see. It's we're now in the you know we got to figure some things out, and it's not yeah. going to be just one issue that we're in it for the long haul. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. You know? I I know that people. And just to reference this, a lot of people when I ended up talking, me and you talk about when people were talking about the review, and then even when I had on YouTube, I had a, hey, these are the books I'm looking forward to. And of course, this was one of them for me and you. And they're like, I'm not going to read it because Hickman in a year or two will leave. Or, hey, in three years, Hickman will kill everybody off. 
I'm like, you can't go into it like that. Like, that's so, like, I know that people are beaten down and they're cynical. I'm pretty, me and you are both from an area that's pretty cynical. You know, the yes. area we live in. We're, we are usually ones, specifically because of our stupid sports teams, are the idea of, I'm never going to believe something's going to be great. I, I'm always thinking it's going to end up. No, I'm a, I'm a cynic at, uh, to, to, for everything, but unless proven otherwise. <laughs> now, and that's I've had fights with Eric on our DC Comics podcast where I'm not a that's not the same as being a contrarian. Like, no. I don't hate things because people I, I get sometimes. Maybe. But for the most part. I'm not. I say it all the time when they say, "Oh my God, this person's on this book," and I'm like, "I gotta wait to read a couple of issues." I, I'm not gonna get excited because I'm always upset when that happens. But uh, I can't sit there and say Hickman's gonna kill Mary Jane in six months, or he's gonna leave these books in three years. So they, or what are you ever gonna read? Uh, he's got some long runs with the Ultimate stuff before, though. Yeah, so I, 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 all I can say is, if it's this good for a year. It's worth it's, it. It's better than anything else. You know, it's one of the better things. So, yeah, I think it's worth it. So what would you give this? I'll, I'll give this one an eight. I liked it. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I'm an eight as well. I, I, I give it an extra half a point or so because it was a quick read. And I, I do always enjoy that. And I want to see what happens next. So, yeah, yeah, I do, too. And and I think that, again, this one brings in that idea of, OK, we're going to we're going to see some things. Things are going to build. We're going to reveal some. like at the end of the last issue, you had like. Oh man, you know, he's got the spider. Are we going to do? But now we see it. Like you said, it's more of a we're in here for the long haul. See how he does. I like that he's struggling. And at one point, he even references, Hey, I was supposed to get this like 15 years ago. And I can't go at it like trying to make up for those 15 years. So I'm just going to do it the way I would do it now. Yep. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and almost again, I think that was Hickman again, wink, winking of saying, Listen, he's not going to start wrestling, and you know, obviously, he's, it's a different play because it so, also he's an adult doing this stuff rather than a, like a teenager, which is an interesting take on it as well. I like that. Maybe people were thinking that, hey, like he'll redo all those things, but it, and him saying, "I'm not going to play catch," it kind of works. We out already the did idea that. That this will be different, and this will be new, so it's a different situation. So I like it. So I'm an eight as well, a little down from that first issue, but which is fine. That was such an oomph issue, so I think that a lot of things go like that, but we can build from here. But we're going to move on to the next Spidey book, something that me and you, I think we're alone, but we have been enjoying. And that book is Spider-Boy, Spider-Boy number four, written by Dan Slott, art by Paco Medina with Eric Arcianego on colors in the front up. In the back up, you have Ty Templeton art colors by D. Kunith. And VCs Joe Caramagna on the whole lettering. And I, I joke, I do, I talk to some people, and there's people who like this book with us. You know, it's just a fun little book. Mm-hmm. You end up having Spider Boy Bailey's doing his thing. And I, I wish that we were maybe going, for, we are a little, it's weird because I, I don't know what I want from this book. I want to have just nice little fun, but I also want it to mean something. And it's kind of like, kind of hovering between but it's still pretty good it's still pretty good and we're learning more about bailey and a bunch of things going on but it is heading to a pretty much showdown with the madam monstrosity and that's what i asked in this though dan slot tell you some people are going to be a dan slot mr jokes there 
he really wants to try to have fun with the Fast and the Furious movies. I mean, mm-hmm. they end up they're going to rent it. And I actually that part in the beginning because they're at the feast shelter <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, we're going to watch Fa- Yeah, we're going to watch Fast Family Furious number 5 and they're Bailey's such a jerk where he's like, "Man, you know, down at the theater 10 came out like this and you you have his friend Chrissy is like, Listen, Bailey, like we're poor. We live we in a shelter. Yeah, we can't go to the theater. We're trying like her family and her, they're saving to try to get out of the shelter. They're not going to the movies. So it's like, yeah, you should like what you like. But he's like, oh, this is bull crap. But he wants to go out and do something and says, Hey, I I have bowling for life at Lucky's Lanes. We could do that for free. Let's go. This was already kind of spelled out the idea that he doesn't get food, but it, it was, again. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, he just doesn't listen. I no. think that maybe Dan Slot forgot that he set that up or something because right away he wanted nachos and he couldn't get them. He tries to get nachos again. Maybe he's trying to like swindle this other guy who's like the worker, but you know, they're, they're bowling. They're having fun. It's that free thing to do. And then he's like, yo, my man. I like where he's like, two orders of celebratory nachos, my good man. And then he's like, that'll be 850. But I'm Spider Boy. Okay. 850 Spider Boy. <laughs> he uses his name. He's like, what? I saved the place. I'm like, no, you don't get it. I'm I like, thought 850 was cheap. Uh, yeah, actually. Two. But I guess, I guess if you're, you're, he has no money, they don't have a job. Like, he tried to work for the Avengers. Yeah. So, yeah, he's there. And again, him and Chrissy are, are having fun, at least talking about, you know, everything and saying, Hey, what's going on with Spider-Man? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a sidekick, but he hangs out with my... It's a weird play that then he goes to check things out. And he's like, I'm going to go check things out. And he, he is kind of jealous, it seems, of Miles, who's just there with, you know, Peter. They're doing this. And, and they, make, they make Miles look a lot younger in this, too, than I think he's been. Like almost like a little kid. They're fighting the Voltorians, and, you know, it's, it's, the, <laughs> it's like Vulture times four. And then you have, well, it's kind of like quarter each and makes the things so they're having that fun but bailey he's like hanging in the back like what i like the one panel where he's like way down the line you see him barely but he's like hey uh any room for me we could even up the odds but he's like now now you, you can't be doing this and also when you say that it also feels like peter is trading miles in this like miles it's a weird new, dynamic right? that's yeah, not really it, this doesn't current. feel like now it feels kind of equal deal you have your area i have my didn't feel like that. Miles is a solid like. foot shorter than uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. I don't think that's Yeah, normal. and I think it's playing up because then you have Bailey who, like, starts talking with him. And, you know, they're kind of like, hey, you should. Yeah, well, I'm looking at him now. He's real. Like, when you see them, <laughs> he is just, like, a little bit bigger than 13, Spider-Boy, maybe right? 12. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. And so they, they stop the Voltarians and they tie him up. And then they're like, hey, what's going on? And like you said, Bailey feels left out, it seems. And he wants to go in. But he, he says he's not jealous. He's like, I'm not jealous. You're his partner. I'm his sidekick. I get my place in the universe. I'm not jealous. And then Miles says, you said it twice. So you're jealous. I like the dynamic between those two. It feels forced because it does feel like they're de-aged. But it's kind of a cool play. But I think it will also lead to, well, why does Miles get to do that? But that feels weird. Because of how long Miles has been around, but mm-hmm. we'll see. But the, the whole thing is Spider-Man saying, "Listen, I I don't know anything about you. You just popped up, and I can't trust you. You're hiding secrets, and this is kind of forced because then we're going to use it in a couple of pages." But Bailey says, "Well, well, you know about my super secret power." He's like, "Yeah, Thor told me you could talk to Spider." Okay, 
Like that's just set up because we're going to do it in a second. Mm-hmm. But then we just have this weird kind of forced issue where Bailey thinks that Chrissy and also Pete, like nobody likes him because he can spider out. He ends up being a monstrosity because he's sleeping. He's having a nightmare. Chrissy comes and says, Hey, are you okay? And he jumps up and he's kind of half spider boy and he's turning into the spider and she freaks out, but not because he should know better. Right. I mean, she's seen him and he, she even says, but she started because he like jumps up at her. Did she see him without his mask on though? He's, you know, it's kind of frightening without the mask. She says, you know, I I was (laughs) shocked that he jumped up. Then we have this weird, and this is a weird issue because what we're going to get now, we're also going to repeat in the backup with a little extra info from a little different perspective, but it didn't feel like it was enough to really go because all of a sudden after, and it's supposed to, you know, confuse us. It's supposed to make us think because immediately after you have, and it doesn't seem like any time's passed, but all of a sudden we're at the bowling alley. Then I didn't realize that we changed then to a different place. And then we're at the movie theater, like all these places where it looks like full out spidered out spider boy, but is there eating nachos, which would, okay, well, he wanted nachos. He didn't get them. Maybe he's doing, but even then I thought if it is him, he's being kind of like, he can't control, control himself, yeah. there's right? N- there's no reason at this point to not think it's him because it's this costume and everything. It's weird because you don't, you don't think of it as what he's doing is awful. You almost think that it's, oh man, because he woke up and he was, maybe this is sleepwalking for him and he turns into this deal. Everybody's yeah, yeah. running. And it's funny because, again, I, he, the, the bowling alley's broken into. Then you have what looks like a – is that the bowling alley still or is that a diner? Because it looks different. But then people are just suddenly running out of the movie theater like it's the blob. And then he's in the theater. I'm like, okay, he's getting around, but they do have cameras on him. It's We find out it's not him, but in a weird kind of way. But, yeah, you, yeah. you end up where – all this is going down word is that, oh, my God, Spider-Boy is out and he's spidered up and he's causing trouble. Spider-Man goes and says, hey, Miles, I'm going to cut and I'm going to go see if it is Bailey. And he goes in and Bailey, you don't think like that play, you don't think he's actually there, that this must be. Why else wouldn't you think it? But he comes out of the bathroom. Hey, you guys, what are you doing? So that spider going around isn't Bailey and they suit up. But I thought this was kind of fun too because at this point Miles is actually fighting this other boy spider they call mm-hmm. it. It's not Spider-Boy, but he's able to find that out because he he touches Peter, Peter who fist bumped with Miles and now because of his that crazy tactile psychokinesis future yeah, spider sense tactile. Yeah, spider, spider sense, sense. weird. That if he touches something, he can see what's going on with people who touch it as well. It's you know, I I didn't know that that happened with like high fives, but maybe the costume they're saying. And Peter was ready to throw him under the bus here too, and just be done with him. You're a monster running loose. We don't want you. And that's the whole thing with Bailey's upset because they're treating him yeah. bad. And they're like, you guys know me, and yet the minute you see, but he, I know he's a kid, but he's got to realize. At one point, he starts talking like he's like. A Harvard professor. I'm telling yeah, you, at yeah. one point, he really does, right? But <laughs> he's got to realize that even when they find this, because it is another boy spider, he's got to say at that point, well, I get it. They would think it's me, but it's not. But let's figure out what's going on. But he ends up, they go, and Miles thinks that he's fighting Spider-Boy, all spidered out. And they go back and forth. And this this actual, sp- he's talking to 
and he's like, hey, I'm going to get you. And I have, an, and Miles is like through exposition. I know you have this, but I have that. He says, I've heard that you have this venom bite, but I have my venom saber. Is this ever going to catch on? <laughs> Miles is ready to chop his head off. I know. <laughs> I, I go, this venom saber, every time I see it. He doesn't need it. No, and every time I see it, I'm like, it's not on brand. A sword he's carrying around, a sword, a saber, whatever. What is he going to do with it here if it really came down to it? Is he going to He's going to chop that monster's head right off. Chop up <laughs> arms? I mean, what is yeah. he going to do? So that's going on. And he's about to do it. And yeah. Bailey comes in and says, stop, you might hurt him. And that's where, again, it's weird for Bailey to come down as Bailey and do this. And Miles is like, Bailey, what are you doing? But you end up having Bailey fighting. Not enough to me of why are you giving me a bad name? Like that's you could have had this last a little longer in that way. Like, hey, what are you doing? You're making me look bad. You're the one that's doing. But no, he realizes right away. Oh my god, something's up here. I mean, this kid is even in a Spider Boy outfit, so you have to know something is up. The same shoes. Remember the shoes? Yeah, yeah. And he he starts talking Spider. With him Which was established last issue Yeah, and again, was brought up That was the crazy That's why I think that Dan Slott's like I gotta remind people before we do this So, hey, Spider-Man, you found out my (laughs) superpower from Thor Yeah, like, yes, I did And so you have that Also where I go, this Venom sword just It bothers me when he's like leaning it on his shoulder Like, get that thing off your shoulder And then Spider-Man comes swinging and I don't know why he really brought Chrissy, but he, he comes swinging in with her. And uh, yeah, Bailey's mad. And you have, again, pretty much the <laughs> crazed up Miles is going to start beheading people. And <laughs> Bailey says, stop. And actually, like, backhands. Like, yeah. does the flying backhand. He does that. And then, and, and then Spider, Spidey goes to web up the monster. And he, uh, he, kicks, <laughs> he kicks his hand and he goes, hey, you hit me mid-thwip. Yeah, that was pretty funny. because he was going to take him down and he stopped him because he talked to this boy spider, we'll keep calling him because that's what they call him. And you do see yeah, Bailey's like, get the hell out of here. And he <laughs> does. But yeah, he's like, hey, don't hurt him. And what are we going to do? And and so this, this other spider, he does get away. But like you said, Bailey just like roundhouse kicks him like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like, you don't do that. But yeah, that's Bailey's like, you guys hate me. You think I'm a monster? I heard you. When he was in the bathroom and he came out, he said, these doors are very thin. thin. I heard <laughs> you bad-mouthing me. But they weren't really. I, he's he's so on edge thinking that he doesn't belong that I think that that's the deal. But yeah, he's like, for all my so-called friends, you think I was a monster and you forgot me. But this is worse. This is worse because now you should at least trust me. I'm out of here. I'm done being your sidekick. I'm telling you, everybody listening, half the people are like, thank God. I like Bailey. I think he's cool. And we said before, one of the reasons I liked him was because he isn't perfect. He kind of was a jerk. He, he's no, learning. He's, he's very flawed. Yeah. yeah. And, and this, he's just, he thinks everybody hates him. And so off he goes. And maybe he wants to hang with Boy Spider, but Boy Spider pretty much went right back to you know, Madam Trussie, which we'll see in a second, because that ends the front up. We get the back up, and like I said, you have a but. It's not long; it's very quick, but it's just going back to show you. Oh, Madam Trussie, she made this because she ends up. It's so weird. She ends up where she sees footage. She, she they don't remember Spider Boy, but they kind of get his lab number, 
And then somehow in her world, you have a filing cabinet where you open it up and there's just goo in it. Some DNA material. And so she has, when she made Spider-Boy, because she did, if you weren't aware, she inserted the spider DNA but took out the boy DNA and now they're re- she's reversing it. So this isn't spider boy, it's boy spider. It's more spider than boy. Yeah, yeah and you see that it was. Yeah, so that's kind of the, the idea, but really they're kind of the, not mirror image, they're kind of complete together. Like mm-hmm. they have all the thing, but you have her do this and she's going to send them out into the world, which we saw. I mean, all this we kind of could have guessed, but we see how she does she really just like gets crazy dna goo and throws it into a vat and voila out crawls boy spider which she says behold boy spider oh my god and he went off to do it but they're really, <laughs> yeah i mean he has memories of what spider boy likes and then, so right away he went off to eat nachos he wasn't trying to hurt anybody and then we see in this flashback villain thing what was happening when Bailey was talking to him because earlier we didn't see, but it is just like, why are you doing this? I'm just trying to be like you, Bailey. I want to be part of a family. The whole thing with the Fast and the Furious, also with everything going on with the, you know, Chrissy, it's all about family. And now we have this. It reminds me, if you were reading the Miles stuff, the stuff with those uh, other symbi- those weird clones that yeah. ended up going, it, it kind of has that play. Um, but yeah, Bailey says, Hey, get out of here. You know, trust me, you have to get out of here now. I'll slow them down. And that's what he did when you had Miles and Spider Man trying to do that. But when he goes off and you see him, you're like, Yeah, he's, he's scary. Like, he's icky. Like, the deal. But he goes back, Manamatrosity's there. And this is the big giant reveal where you have Tabby, this, you know, cat, this anthropomorphic cat that's a maid. You see Boy Spider is very, you know, chummy and like, oh, my God, you know, I can calm him down. Pretty much that seems to be Bailey's mom, I guess. The cat's his mom? Yeah, the cat (laughs) is his mom. So I'm like, all right, well, she's changed all these things. I guess that's it. But she says, oh, it would look at you as the deal because Tabby was actually Tabitha Briggs. I love it. The deal. So it's kind of funny. I it's like cool. the uh, the dog uh, when she yells at him. She's like, "You got the colors backwards. What are you doing on this costume?" And he goes, "I don't know. I'm a dog. I can't see color." Yeah, I, I'm colorblind. <laughs> when she says, "You messed up the colors," and he says, well, "Cry out loud. Uh, I'm colorblind." She actually says, "Oh yeah, oh, yeah you're my right. bad. That's on me." <laughs> she actually's like, "That's on me. I shouldn't have had to do that. I'm yeah, sorry." That like it's weird. Like she's <laughs> weird. She's evil, but. Weirdly evil. She's motherly, but she's evil. Yeah, it's it's that all ages kind of villain kind of play, but she's still doing weird splicing and dicing and crazy things because her team there with the alligator, you got Tabby, then you got the dog, which now I'm assuming the dog's his dad. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? But we'll see what's going on. And and they don't remember, you know, that's the thing. You have Bailey's erased from everything, so they wouldn't even remember that either. But it seems as if, you know, Madame Monstrosity is starting to put things together. But what would you give this? I'm still all on board on this one, man. I, wanted, I, like, uh, I like them a lot. I'll, I'll go eight on this one, too. I'm going to go eight as well. It's a different kind of eight, but it's fun. Yeah. And I'm telling you what, the best is, is when, when Bailey starts beating the crap out of Miles. <laughs> and Peter is so funny the way he does it. But it is, this book has been about family. 
that's what the basis yeah you're forcing it with the fast and the furious stuff in here but not just peter miles and bailey being oh we're the spider family or hey chrissy you're fa-. it's also you know his best friend is still with madame Michelle, that he was the one who caused the problems and mm-hmm. they, even though that he's been forgotten it looks like his mom so it's all about family so it's kind of cool but yeah, I'll give it an eight. I think the art's pretty cool too. It fits. And I couldn't the book. even tell there was a difference between the front up and the back up no, of the art. Yeah, which it is looked good. pretty good. It fits the book. The the art fits the book really well. So yeah. I still wish they'd get rid of the backup and just have a one bit story. extended and you could have had this spelled out better. You could have had him talking and you, you would have had it. They were saving that for this. Hey, we'll show you this and it's not even like a full other angle that we're seeing. It's like slightly Filling in some of the blanks that I didn't think we needed that filled in, but still good. I'm an eight, but we'll move on to the last book that me and you were talking about. A book that, I don't know, I'm starting to get wary of, but we'll see. And that book is The Incredible Hulk number nine. Yeah, this is a weird one. And I, I was told after our last review that somebody said that Nick Klein was going to be gone for a little bit. We have a fill-in artist. I'm not really that hip on the art, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll see. It's written by Phil Kennedy Johnson, guest artist by as Danny Earls, colors Matthew Wilson, BC's Corey Petit on letters. You and me were talking just before this, and we you mentioned that this has felt and it has felt like like creepy or crypt keeper, you know, the whatever. <laughs> I was gonna say creep show. show. Creep show. I was gonna say <laughs> crypt show. But it crypt feels keeper, like crypt show, that sort show. of deal. The creep mm-hmm. show. But it has been. I keep saying that it reminds me of what we had at the beginning of the Ben Percy Ghost Rider. But now we're at nine issues here. We've got to get moving in this mother of horrors overall story. People keep showing up. And in this, it ends up being Betty who's going to come back and reiterate. Come on. I actually forgot all about Betty in this where she said, we could be human again. You won't have to worry about the whole Hulk and I'll end up not being this crazy. Why don't you do it? And you know bruce and the hulk wouldn't do it but that kind of comes in but this is a weird issue that well, feels even, like everything's forced to me even the guy talking at the beginning the sheriff ghost sheriff or whatever that would be the crypt keeper talking yeah at the it beginning. looks like it yeah and he's that's like a, a, that's all that's what you would just substitute yeah, him he's for that. A, he's the horror host he's yeah, like a ghost host. sheriff but it's weird to just throw it in there and not really go and we've had you know, pretty much monster of the week or month or whatever before, but we're in New Orleans and you end up having on the case ghost sheriff kind of explained, but not the idea that he's like here and there's these hairs. It's very confusing. And then you just go to see this couple, young couple, they're out. It's they say it's one o'clock and we were talking. It's not that maybe Philip Kenny Johnson's never been to New Orleans, but one o'clock is early. <laughs> and so they're walking around singing and doing their thing. And then they see this old lady sweeping outside her closed antique store. And this girl, Paula, guess her name is, she's really into just questioning that this lady's sweeping at what a, oh man, look at that lady. She's working at this, it's like early in the morning. It's late. What is she doing? And yeah, her boyfriend's like, and you get the idea that oh, Paula gets a little mouthy when she's drunk. Mm-hmm. And I think her boyfriend realizes this. He's like, kind of sh- sh- clear. He's like, calm down, Paula. Not again. <laughs> like, seriously, keep doing this. We're breaking up. He's like, look at her. And then they walk by. And so, okay, no fuss, though. But she turns around with the worst 
I guess, attempt at being mean because she turns around to the old lady and goes, go home, it's late. Okay, that seems very kind of helpful. Like, it feels like she's worried about her. Like, mm-hmm. this, we were talking, me and you were talking before, I know, the things that in real life would happen. Like, you'd have this Paula throw trash at the, like, hey, you missed a spot. You know, yell a <laughs> derogatory term. I almost yell, throws it. Or it's like they walk by and there's like a, a you know, a, a trash can, it knocks it over on Knock her. it over, hey, exactly. Like, something like that. But saying as you're walking by a lady, oh, man, what's she doing? She's sweeping and it's late. Like the sweet police are in town, but she says, go home. It's late. And then you have her boyfriend. Come on, babe, leave her alone. I'm like, if this is the worst that Paula does, she's a gem, but she gets sliced because then you end up where (laughs) the the boyfriend says, we're sorry, ma'am. Have a good night. Now he went way too far, right? This crap talk better end. Go home. It's late. And we're sorry, ma'am. Have a good night. Well, this lady, this old lady, her eyes start glowing, and she's like... I love that when they crook their head to the side and the the eyes are glowing. You know that's trouble. Well, Paula and her boyfriend keep walking, and then somehow this old, decrepit lady, Kaka, she, like, sweeps ahead of them to then come and, like, hey, what a lovely young man. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. And she ends up (laughs) saying, and why are you with this trollop? And then Paula goes... A what now? Based. <laughs> it's so funny. A what now? And they're like, it's okay, Paul. Let's go home. This guy just wants to go home. And she's like, no, I don't even know what she said, but it was definitely bitchy. I don't care. Like, she's starting to get a little bit then, oh, trollop, I say, and then slices her in 80 pieces. <laughs> like, what is that? Like barbed wire wrapped around her? And it just really slices her in a lot yeah, of different like, places. Shoom, shoom, shoom. It goes down. Now. It's horrific. You're going with creep show. Which creep show, if you haven't read it or seen anything of it, it's like morality tales. Somebody mm-hmm. ends up doing something and then they get their comeuppance in the way that's very much like this just happened. Like there it's not that clever. This is where I kind of lose don't it. Don't insult in this. old ladies. Yeah, don't don't tell old ladies that they shouldn't be working late because yeah. <laughs> they that lady owns her own store. She can put her own hours. Right? She's allowed to work late. It's weird. So she's like, shoom, 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 she is done. And then you have the, the boyfriend. She's just like, oh, my God, it is horrific with that half face just looking. Oh, he yeah. falls down in the blood. Then there's rats everywhere and a crazy arm. And it looks like. I think he gets grabbed up, too. He's dead. Yeah, that's he gets grabbed. And you see her dragging him, but she just doesn't make that much. Sense. But uh, what is going on? Because with the ghost sheriff, who's that, you know. The horror host, Crypt Keeper, he is talking about, like, is this lady making a person? Is this because there's a lot of, like, hair, but then it gets, like, well, it, it's grabbing more hair from the kids. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I just don't know what's happening. But Ghost Sheriff is on the case. Then we just go and see that Bruce and Charlie have rolled into town. And now we get, like, Wikipedia entry on the water table of New Orleans just to set up that most people don't have basements and that there's potter's fields with people who are buried who are, you know, undesirables or they don't have any relatives. And I mean, they're taking a stroll through a cemetery at 1 a.m., which is, you know. I mean, there's where you got problems. Not a yeah, lady I mean, sweeping outside her business. So also, a lot of people working in the, in the graveyard at, at this point. But you end up where they're there and all of a sudden Betty 
is there yelling to Hulk. He's like, oh, my God, Betty. Oh, no, I'm turning into the Hulk. Charlie starts laughing at one point. Looks like an oh, crap, it's happening. You're hulking out. No, yes. Here, have some money. He pays her off. (laughs) Says, go up the street another mile or two. I'm like, this is long. Till you see a hostel called the uh, Auberge. It's not fancy, but. And then Charlie's like, no way, man. You'll ditch me again. I can handle the Hulk, but he likes me. And then you have the Hulk say, don't be stupid. He's crouched over. He's starting to change. Charlie just walks away then. I I mean, Charlie, who said, I'm not going to. Charlie should realize something is wrong with the Hulk. And you think that she pretended to walk away. She left. And then, then Banner starts ripping off his clothes. He starts bashing in mausoleums. And he's turned, but he doesn't quite turn, but then he's half, and you do get that horrific change that I we said before. You don't want to overdo this. It, they haven't really yet, but we've seen it. This art isn't as good as it. Don't let this happen. It's not good. It no, doesn't I mean, look it's, good. it's his arms getting big, and then, but he's also getting ripped out from inside. Yeah, kinda and he's kind of coming out the hand. It's coming out of the mouth, mouth? but we kind of saw that before. But it was more the head expanding to doesn't look great. And no. I, I think that they were like, yeah, but this is what got me because he's he's freaking out. He's half changing. And I think that's the big play because Betty's there talking crap and trying to convince Bruce to give the Hulk up to, you know, the mother of Horace. Like, hey, this is where we could be whole again. We could be together. And really pointing out that idea. Doesn't this suck when you're there and kind of caught in between? I'm expecting Charlie to come running in with a bat or something and just wallop Betty. But instead, she's just downtown eating food. <laughs> it felt weird. It felt weird that, that you go and she like the idea. I don't want to leave because you're going to ditch me to footloose and fancy free just waltzing down the street. Now, again, remember the idea. It's late, old lady. Go home. Like there's so many people still out. It's New Orleans. It's one o'clock. But. Yeah, she kind of goes in this weird sheriff because she runs into this guy. Yeah, she's like eating a donut or whatever. Yeah, or whatever she's those there things having are. her stuff, looking at the voodoo lounge. You know, looks like they have the. He looks more like a security guard to me. This guy. Yeah, he's just, but he's just hanging there. They you have a little band there doing their thing, collecting some dough, and he's not being mean. It's weird. He's drawn, and it's it looks sus, but I don't know. Because kind she of looks like Bibbo, no, a little bit, you know? Yeah, a little. She runs sus. into him. Yeah, really sus. <laughs> like, hey, the Superman, we're in the wrong place. Uh, the end up where she, I don't even, like, she's there watching, but then looks like she really does give him a hip check. Yeah, she's, pay more attention to where you're walking, you know? Yeah, and, and when he, she does it, I'm going to say, he gets some cut, but he doesn't even take his hand out of his pocket, so it wasn't that bad. I don't know. Is he playing pocket pinball while he's watching <laughs> those guys? Who knows? But, hey, watch it, kid. Sorry, officer. And then he's like, huh, I recognize her as she walks by a lost post. So it looks like somebody's looking for a bulldog. But you end up where she's like, huh. And then she realizes, oh, no. Somehow she realizes this guy's on my case. He's going to recognize me. I got to get out of here. Dips into the antique Antique store that now is fully open, even though it was closed before. And you end up where this lady we know is is sus. Then we go back to the graveyard now. I love Hulk and Bruce. They're kind of going back and forth between. Like, he's caught in between these two yuck yucks. A couple. (laughs) 
like out of nowhere is like, hey, you want to run through the graveyard? Oh crap! Like they're they're crapping their pants. Right and neither one them. of them is is filming it, which was not not really realistic. But. Exactly, they're not. And it's just weird. Like they're just there. <laughs> that guy looks like he's having a heart attack. Yeah, he does. Like the girl's just like, oh man, look at that. And the guy's like, oh no, he's gonna have a heart attack. And <laughs> Betty's saying, no, we could be one. This whole place just going on and off with it. And then you do see like. This is where the Hulk is now coming out of Banner's stomach. Doesn't look good. And you know, have ribs. What, what am I going to do? What's going on? And then he realizes, hey, you're not Betty. But she goes, oh, no, I am. But I needed to get you away from Char-. Like, how did that? It, it, it's the uh, Charlie just left. It's like now it's the manipulations. Oh, you mm-hmm. were the one who set this up because I saw you sent her away. Oh, no, she's in trouble. And Betty's. This makes sense. Betty wants to get rid of Charlie. Charlie's the thing. Oh, she's the one you're protecting. If I can get rid of her, you'll, you'll, you know, agree with me and sell out the Hulk. But it's not going to happen right now because then the Hulk ends up full out Hulk and then smashes a bit, gets all upset. But the big thing is that we go back to this antique shop, the sus cop. He's peering and he's peeping. But mm-hmm. at this point, he is trying to find this girl because, and Charlie, because she's wanted and, but he really should have realized that the real sus thing is this lady, but he doesn't realize. And he goes in at one point too, where I just thought Charlie's trying to find something to use and hide. There's no back door. She just but wants then, to go out the back door. Yeah, so she she's wants like, to go oh, out the back door. I'm There's no the- back door. The lady yeah. says no back door. So then out of nowhere, what is that? Oh, oh, that? That is a B-flat coronet. I'm like, well, what? What are we doing? And, oh, you didn't know that it was Buddy Bolden's cornet? Buddy Bolden, you know? Oh, you kids, you don't know anything. To then, oh, no, the police are here. I got to hide. And she's trying to be nice, but we know she's sus. I'll cover for you, young yeah, lady. Yeah, I'll cover for you, which she does. And you do even yeah. after, like, man, that old lady's cool. But then realizes, oh, no, there's a basement. But there shouldn't be a basement. It's like a door to hell. And Bruce had told her there were no basements. Yeah, in there, were, there shouldn't be any basements because of the water table deal that was spelled out. But again, that's so forced the way that it's there to this. It feels like when Bailey and Spider-Boy, you know my super ability. And then you mm-hmm. use it, this whole basement thing. And they go and you do see that you almost have a play of like Pulp Fiction now where this guy like saunders in and he's going to be dead. But yeah. also There's a Charlie's going to be in trouble as well. Yeah, so... This does look like it's this weird sus basement and how this whole play is, but she goes down and it's pretty much, you know, what you would expect from any serial killer. <laughs> so mm. crazy, like bone saws and bo- bones half and heads faces. and half faces yeah. and she Guts. collecting hair before. Blood dripping. So blood dripping. And it's weird here where she walks and there's this little figure. Now, again, we're in New Orleans. I don't think that this lady's played it off as like voodoo type thing, but then you kind of, and this figure says, help me. And I help swear me. that that might be her brother. It looks like that. I, I don't know. But that thing like skedaddles, <laughs> like it's like puppet master, like wait, 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 all the way home as you end <laughs> up having old lady coming down all transmorphed into this hideous thing. We saw that arm before with the policeman's head. Is he dead, though? Because he's not bleeding and he looks like he has expression in his face. Uh, it's weird. Like he, his expression is like that. Nah, nah. He looks yeah. like curly. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, they were, let's early. get to manipulating. And then things didn't go well because she comes down safe from all who would do her harm alongside all my little angels. 
oh, you. And like, oh, no, the cold case of frozen Charlotte. <laughs> and it's over. I'm like, I don't know that I like this. It's, <laughs> it's weird. It might have been okay as like a, a separate thing, but I'm getting wary of this book not doing anything of the overall story, just going town to town. But this one was goofy. Like the, the amount of exposition setup in such a simple story and then to, to have it like go home old lady it's it's late and that is right. like the start of it it's just it's not what we good. have here is a classic case of a filler issue or two that have nothing to do Three with the <laughs> real story they got behind on the art and they needed hey, to here's fill it what, in here's what I'll, I'll give you the deal this is why and i'm sure people will say the same thing but when i say this like here we are new orleans weird we're we're doing this thing with an old lady they're down in the basement what did we just end because they were just in some shanty crazy town in the desert and we had almost oh a ghost rider that wasn't explained these are all like this this one's a little worse because it, i think the telling thing is going to be people will not like this as much but they'll blame the art for all of that no it's not the art's fault instead of saying this book isn't really doing how anything. How did they even get issues. to New Orleans? Like, how did they get there? Around. I, they were in like where, Arizona. Where were they before? Yeah. I think and they that. were out there. Then just, I don't know. So, again, when you had that, it doesn't yeah, matter. the Ghost Rider was kind of neat. You ended up, oh, the war up, but nothing really was. It, it's kind of no, like. It, it, it doesn't connect at all. It's just not. And you keep it, doing the same, like, okay, now we're in this town. Let's do that. And that's fine if that's what you're into. It's not really my thing, but. Again, I say this, some people be like, I love when the Hulk just goes town to town and solves, you know, rhyming and scheming, solving crimes and writing up rhymes. I, you know, maybe that's your thing. You set up a huge story with this mother of horrors. And it got so, this is Philip Kenny Johnson that's playing that game that like a Brian Michael Bendis will do sometimes, or even a, where you have to kind of remind people what the main story. We have it in, say, a Nightwing at DC too, where every time you, because Betty is here to remind us, oh, yeah, remember she said to, you know, let's stitch all this and go because the mother, but you're not, it doesn't feel like we're getting any closer to any well, of the big things. I still maintain that Hulk is not it in this issue. He, he's not, it doesn't matter. I don't think Hulk is even in this issue. I think those two or three pages with Betty were just added as a uh, yeah. supplement to kind of just have him in it. Yeah, it's weird. So it's, it's weird just that, and even just Charlie going off, like, I'm not going off and then hey, I'll get out of here. Money, you say? All right, I'm hitting it. Yeah. Let's go. Well, I even mean, if you went, would would you think it would be inappropriate, right? If you go, and she's like, "Oh, thanks for the money." And then when we see her, she's got like all these beads on. You're like, "Oh, oh Charlie, yeah. what are you doing?" Girls going wild. <laughs> <That'd be hilarious. laughs> Why do we have that? Uh, so yeah, and I get. I'm guessing I the way the person said that, like. Nick Clyde's going to be gone for a little bit. I hope it is just two, but this, I don't know. This feels like maybe we're going to get three issues and we'll see from there. I, I'll have to look at the solicits, but what would you give this? All right. So as a creep show issue, I give it a nine. As, yeah, a, as a Hulk issue, a five. Yeah, I think I'm like a five as well. Over, and you're right. Like, But I'd also go with, you know, 1940s Ghost Rider fighting Chupacabra. Like, that could be cool, but. You're not setting these up well as the, it just feels like random things like Philip Kenny Johnson is like, you know, I always wanted to have the story with this ghost sheriff in New Orleans. And you're able to do it in this book because they're wandering around and that, you know, the whole Bruce wandering deal. But 
You gotta get the. You're big able to stuff. do it, and also Nick Klein takes time to draw his stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, and remember the the whole thing of this was, oh geez, the mother of horrors, and then all this going on, they are like upping the ante, and all the monsters in the MCU are supposed to like kind of come to and start mm-hmm. going after the Hulk, but instead it's like the Hulk is bringing it to them. But is this the ones? Is this old lady like? Is that the big play here? Is that the? I, I could think of some bigger things, but yeah, I just, I just the eld, and I, I was trying to remember. I couldn't even remember the eldest because yeah, that's there's confusing. the mother of horrors, yeah, but the eldest is here to grab uh, and force the Hulk in to get the mother of horrors and resurrect. It's just a lot of stuff and a lot of nothing. But people like Philip Kenny Johnson, they seem to get mad when I do you know say that the issue isn't great or whatnot well but the story's fine it's just it's just not a great hulk story that's all for me i just love the hey lady it's late you look tired why don't <laughs> you go get some shut eye and maybe uh, you know hey and i'll meet you tomorrow for breakfast hell you trollop like i wanted to get so far like this girl's just being so nice uh but yeah and then she trollop. dies in the most horrific way possible I mean, yeah and because then she said just... go home yeah go sheriffs on the case though look at this guy yeah, yeah, that's not even well spelled out, but uh, there you go. But yeah, that's it for us. We'll, we'll get out of here and we're going to go off because Zach has a couple books. He has an alien versus predator, it seems. You get a new predator, Ed Brisson, and then a alien black, white, and red. I wish yeah. those things would just die, but the main story by Lansing and Kelly. So that's sure. He seemed uh, jazzed up to review that one. I would have told him to skip it. Oh, I. I kind of did, but he wanted to do it. So, you know, all the power. <laughs> Predator, I'm all in on that one. But black, white, and reds. Black, eh. white, and red can black, right. Save those for the X-Men podcast. Go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're going to say. No, you save them for nobody. Those things should go away. I love at one point they tried to be clever. Like, oh, we'll do a Superman one. And it's like black. It's like red, white, and blue. Like, oh, and they've just given up. And now it's just, you know, some of them was black, white, and blood. Yeah. Now it's just sad just say black, white, and red. Like I think that the big two somehow had stock in red ink or they actually bought too much at some point and now they have to get rid of it because there's no reason for bull crap. But we'll see. <laughs> X Men podcast should take care of it though. I yes. agree. I agree with that. They should have Krakoa, red black, white, and dead. That's what they should have. There's <laughs> Coming <my> soon. <laughs> there it is. So we will go off to We'll go, I will go off to Zach to uh, talk about that nonsense. Hey, all you marvelous Marvelites. Welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Podcast. My name is Zach, and today is a great day, everybody, because I'll be hosting the first ever contest between the Alien and Predator books from Marvel. That's right, guys. This is now officially the Alien versus Predator section. So on the Alien side, we have Alien, Black, White, and Blood number one. And for the Predator side, we have Predator, The Last Hunt, number one. Now I'm going to start off with Alien, Black, White, and Blood, just because it is a bigger book. It is an anthology book. It has three stories in it, so I got a lot of ground to cover. And for this issue, I'm just going to briefly recap everything that happens in it. I'm not going to go in-depth as I usually do with the scene breakdowns. This is just going to be an overall plot per story for the anthology. So the very first story we get is called Utopia. And it is written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, with artwork by Michael Doling and colors by Chris Sotomayor, and the letterer is VCs Clayton Coles. 
Clayton Coles does the lettering for the entire book. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that now rather than having to repeat his name two more times. <laughs> so the overall plot for the Utopia story is that there's this cruise ship known as the Forward, and the members of this cruise ship are part of the Union of Progressive People, the UPP. And for those of you who may be uninitiated in the alien universe, it is a group of uh, seceded socialists from Earth. They're, they're just this group of socialists who have abandoned Earth, who have abandoned all nationalities, all every every connection they had to Earth, they have severed, they have formed their own sector in space, and that that's where they live out what they believe. Which has always been a really cool concept in the alien universe. Now, this is not me being like promoting socialism or anything like that, but it's just it's this idea in the alien universe where it's like, hey, you know, we often see what happens with the uh, capitalist system, seeing the greed of Oiling-Yutani putting profit over human lives. So one of the interesting counterbalances in the alien universe is the UPP, the socialists, in outer space trying to live a better life away from the capitalist markets. And it's a, it's a really cool idea, and it's a thing that skilled writers can use to tell really interesting stories, especially in the alien universe. But we got Lansing and Kelly. So, yeah, instead they just come off as entitled knobheads. <laughs> like, every, everybody in here is just, uh, okay, I'm not going to get into it yet. I'll, I'll talk about that when I get to my negatives. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the book, basically what it is, uh, they're this crew, they're on the spaceship called the Ford, and the Ford is just, it's this giant ring, and I know that sounds weird, but like the, the spaceship is built in the middle of the ring, and Throughout the ring, they have different sectors of the spaceship, station, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, oh, we, we have an area where we grow trees to produce oxygen for our base, right? And we have this one area where uh, we uh, work on technology. We have this one area where we uh, fix the parts for the ship and uh, mass-produce stuff and whatnot, right? And there's just all these different areas around the ring of the spaceship where they all form a essential part of like having a habitat and ecosystem on the ship. And that's a really cool idea. I will say, this comic has a few cool ideas, but Lansing and Kelly just they go about it in the most pretentious way. Like they, they refer to themselves as like, oh, we the great citizens of the Ford vote to do this and it's like uh, oh this is Ryan Bian Quay where we mend and teach. We vote to retrieve, right? And they, like they just—they're like, oh, they—they they really love to pat themselves on the back. And even the main character, her name, oh god, uh, Siostra, Siostra. You—you don't get like formally introduced to her. You just—you see her name tag on her collar, and she's she's the main person talking in this comic. And it's just—it's a lot of narration, just her about being like, oh, uh, we are these valiant navigators who have. Uh, gotten away from the elitist capitalists of the uh, world, like the Wayland yutani and, you know, we, we have advanced so far, we live in this great utopia we have carved out for ourselves, we are the pinnacle of humanity, this is what you can achieve, you just put, uh, put aside your selfish notions and actually come together as one entity all together, right? And they just, they're loving to pat themselves on the back, and they're, uh, but, Anyway, they just come off really pretentious, and it really gets on my nerves. But to get to the actual plot of it, uh, their uh, their sector when they come across a damaged ship, and it's a ship that does not belong to the UPP. This is one from Earth, and 
they notice that there is still one life form still on board. And so the entire ship, you know, all the sectors, all the different parts of the spaceship, every person on the ship unanimously votes, hey, let's extend an olive branch, let's help this person, because don't you know, we're just so fantastic, we're so, we're such great people, don't you know? And so they go to do it, they dock to it, and they even pat themselves on the back, they're like, oh, look how great we docked to this ship, you know, this was almost an impossible maneuver nobody else could do, but we did it because we're so great. They love to pat themselves on the back. It gets really annoying reading it. But they finally get to it. They open the door. And guess what it is? It's a xenomorph. And not just a xenomorph. It's it's a queen alien. Because she has the crest on her head. Okay, I... I have a problem here. One, why does she not... Why is she... Why is she just free? Like, what? Because, okay, so... Alien queens, they're usually attached to their egg sacs to lay eggs. Now, obviously, they can come separated if they're under attack. But you, you just, you don't get any context for this. Like, was she in a previous fight in this one? Like, is this, like, oh, she's just been running around because she separated from her egg sac already. That's plausible. It is. I mean, I'm not going to deny it. That's entirely possible. But just, for her to just be running around, like, no explanation provided, it's just, I don't want to assume, but that's all I can do. So I'm just, that's how I'm going to fansplain it away. It happens again in the the final story of this anthology, which makes me angry again. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a queen alien, and she's just running around. Why they don't give an explanation? She immediately rips somebody in half. The rest of the crew members run away. They manage, and like I said, and here once again, pat themselves. I say pat themselves on the back, but like uh, Cr says, like glorious citizens of the forward, exit now. Exit faster, and it's like, why are you referring to yourself in the third person? Like, and like, I get it. You're talking about your other crewmates too, but like, why do you need to include Glorious? Why not just exit now? Get the heck out! Let's go! Let's go! Hurry! 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 And said she's got to take the time to be like, oh, let let me give myself a complimentary adjective for our society. Why not? Right? I mean, we're only running for our freaking lives here, people. Oh my god! Like I said, the I hate these characters so much. They're I want them to die, and I know I'm an awful person, but I want it. I want it so bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, they manage to get into this room, and they seal themselves off for the time being. The queen is trying to get through, and they, these people decide to take the time to argue with each other. And I understand. I get it. It's a high-stressful uh, situation, and uh, they're being like, oh, crap. Why did we do this? Why why on earth did we vote to do this? You know, wh- who could have predicted there was aliens on board? Oh my god, we're freaking out, we're freaking out, we're freaking out. Who Whose stupid idea was this? And it's like, we all you voted for this. I really want to curse. I can't curse on the bottom five. Craphead. <laughs> I'm sorry, I get so angry. Anyway, but they're all arguing, and it's like, okay, alright, this thing is going to try and kill us. We need to find a way to take it out. How, how are we going to do this, right? How, how are we going to survive this, right? And somebody, I I, I don't know, uh, I think it's Siostra. Yeah, Siostra, because she's, she's the only one we get actually introduced to. The rest are just, we don't really get introduced to them. Siostra's like, okay, we, we have a failsafe to this. We have some soldiers who are cryogenically frozen in this uh, sub-basement of this ship. If we can go and we can uh, get them unfrozen, they have experience fighting uh, aliens, lowercase aliens, not exactly xenomorphs, but they have extraterrestrials. They have experience fighting extraterrestrials. And then the most, an- another annoying thing, the, the rest of them were like, 
uh, excuse me, like, pardon me? Like, why do we have soldiers? We're, we're supposed to be peaceful. Like, you, why would you carry the cancer of violence with us? And I'm like, the cancer of violence? Y'all literally were just asking, how do we kill that thing? And I'm just like, oh my god, like, ah. Oh. But yeah, they're all like, oh, you, 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 jackleg, you, oh, how could you betray us? And it's just like, oh my god, are y'all really arguing that? Are you really? But yes, apparently it's supposed to be a big revelation. Oh, hey, we got, we got frozen soldiers on board. Who can deal with this? Just freaking wake them up. Why are you arguing about this? But no, we, we gotta have another person be like, oh, well, no, no, don't do that. You know what? Just quarantine. We, we got rations. We can survive for a few weeks. You know, wait till somebody comes to rescue us. We don't have to get our hands dirty. And it's like, screw you too, person. Like, like, I mean, ugh, come on. And then, you know, so somebody, agrees with that person and it's like oh hey well if, if we go into quarantine procedure uh the rest of the ship's going to be left exposed and we we need them to keep the ship functioning and some other person's like look that ship's already compromised all right that alien queen is going to be running free soon those people are all going to be dead soon and immediately they're like but no no th those people's lives matters just as much as ours we can't just offer them up as sacrificial lambs lambs and uh uh, the guy's like, oh, trust me, they, they won't be forgotten. And Seosha's like, no, 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 we can't just vote that. We all need to vote. That's what we were doing earlier. That's what makes us so great, guys. We all vote, right? This, we're unanimous. Don't you know? We're, we're the UPP. And that, and the guy's like, no, there's no time for that. <laughs> he just presses the button and quarantines them and screws over the rest of the ship, all the other sectors. Yeah. And there's even this thing where, uh, Seosha's like, three minutes. That's all it took for them to become dictators. And I'm just like, I don't care. And and we just get the last page where it's like, oh, there's another sector. There's somebody just walking around. And there's the alien queen running straight for that sector. Yay. <sighs> yeah, this story was bad. This story was bad. Oh my god. Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, I'm sorry. No. Just no. You have some night you have some good ideas here. You do. But you make the character so unlikable and just oh my god. Like I I don't care. And it has nothing to do with them being socialists or any other that crap. I I I am not against that. I'm not pro that. I'm against these characters because they're freaking knobheads. They are narcissistic a-holes who think they're so freaking great, and then as soon as crap hits the fan, they immediately become like everybody else, and it's just like, oh, what happened to us? We we were so perfect, and now all it took was a little crap hitting the fan. I say a little crap. A lot of crap hitting the fan, and now we're, we're back to screwing each other over, and it's just like, ugh. I don't know. I guess the, uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing's trying to do some kind of messaging here. If it is, I don't know. I... Maybe it's just like at our base form, we will all screw each other over just to get ahead for ourselves to try and, you know, make things better for ourselves. I don't know. Maybe that's the messaging. I could care less because I'm too busy yelling for this alien to kill all the guys and girls. Yeah. All right. That story sucked. Moving on to the next story. We got the next story. Oh, by the way, hold on. Go back. Rewind for a second. The artwork is good. I will say that. Michael Dolan did a really good job. Colors are cool. I mean, like, like I said, it's limited colors. It's mainly black, white, and red. Uh, I didn't see any green in this story, so I am actually pretty dang happy about that, because we get a bunch of green in the next two stories, and, like, I get it. Alien blood's green. 
but the artists definitely, or the colorists, that is, definitely take advantage, like, oh, well, hey, we can use green, well, we're gonna use green for other stuff, too. And it's like, I don't think so. Like, I don't know. I can't really argue that, because they, they use red, but, well, I don't know. They use red for blood, but they also use red for other stuff, too. So, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not gonna nitpick it. Next story. Moving on. Gotta go through these fast. Gotta go fast. Next one is The Hunt by Stephanie Phillips, who's writing. Uh, Marcelo Ferreira's on art, and Pete Pen- Pantazis is on colors. Alright. So, in this one, it's just, it's just, Waylon Yutani has this little hunting area for these rich a-holes, you know, who are looking for a thrill. It's like, hey, we want to hunt aliens. And, you know, it's, it's it's a safari, right? It is a safari for xenomorphs. And all these rich a-holes get to pay a crap ton of money to Waylon Yutani to kill these aliens in, like, the most safest environment ever. It's like, oh, hey, y'all have force fields. The aliens cannot touch y'all, but y'all can shoot the crap out of them. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, alright, that's kind of interesting. It's kind of, we've kind of seen this before, but I'm I'm willing to forgive it. This is the first time we've seen it at Marvel, really. And, uh, yeah, I'm not even gonna bother telling you anything about these characters, because this is a one-shot, you're not gonna get to see these characters again. You only learn one of their names anyway, and I'm not even gonna bother to tell you her name. Uh, we get this really sassy chick, uh, who, that's the only one we get the name, her name's Petrovich or whatever, and she's just this insufferable bratty child of a CEO or whatever, and somebody makes the off comment, but like, oh, she probably killed every type of creature on Earth, so now she's here to kill an alien, right? And long story short, they go to hunt. They're being babysitted by these, you know, uh, sketchy looking uh, security guards. So they're out, they're hunting. They do manage to kill one alien when all of a sudden their force fields go out and they basically are left completely exposed. And the alien starts uh, screwing them up. And they're like, what What the heck? Why is our stuff not working? Yeah, they're sketchy security guards. Yeah, they, they used to be soldiers. And uh, they know what the Xenomorphs are capable of. And they know what Waylon Yutani has done to people to get those Xenomorphs. So they're like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna sabotage here. We're gonna we're gonna show these rich a-holes what it's like, you know, wasting all your money forcing us to go up against these things just so y'all can have a little bit of fun without experiencing the danger we did, right? And it's like, okay, alright, th- this this is fine as a oh, a ten page story in anthology. That's like it's perfect for this. Like, I mean, I didn't get much enjoyment out of it, but the artwork's cool. The idea is not exactly new, but it's still, it's kind of cool. You know, I mean, don't break, uh, don't fix what ain't broken. That's the, that's what I'm trying to look for. Yeah. But, uh, long story short, all the uh, rich people will die. Uh, the two soldiers inside their little, uh, I don't know what you call this. It's, it's like a deer blind, but it's def, it's more advanced, obviously. It's a little command center inside the, uh, the, uh, preserve or whatever you want to call it. And they're in there and just being like, oh, uh, it's fi- it feels so good to finally let these a holes get what they deserve, and you know as they're like uh, talking to each other. Next thing you know, one of the aliens breaks through the glass and is about to attack them. That's the story. Okay, fast, simple, sweet. It was okay. The artwork was good. Like I said, I mean, it's not my favorite. It's not great. I mean, it's just, it's fine. It's passable, right? So we then go to the last story, Maternal Instinct, written by Ryan Katie with. Artwork by Devmalia Paramanik, and it doesn't show a colorist, so I'm assuming uh, Paramanik is the one who did it. So, yeah, so this is just a story where 
uh, this alien has completely decimated a uh, ship. The only things that are still alive is the AI of the ship, which is called Mother, which is a thing from the Alien universe. You know, that was the uh, the AI program in the original Alien ship from the first Alien movie by Ridley Scott. So that's really cool. I think that's really, really cool. It's like, okay, hey, there, here's another ship with the uh, the Mother AI, and the ship's called the Abertac. Yeah, the Abertac, and it's a research vessel. Well, hey, either way, Xenomorphs have overrun it. They've killed everybody except for the AI. And this one little kid, and the little kid was hidden away by his mother before she got gotten by the aliens. And now the AI is like, uh, I gotta somehow, you know, it's my responsibility to ensure the safety of all the passengers on board. This is the last one. I got to get them to safety, right? And so the AI starts running the odds, and they have very low odds for survival, right? But the AI is like, I gotta do what I must my programming says, I got to save this kid. And so she starts directing the kid. And, you know, I mean, like, this is kind of cool. You know, it, it reminds me of that Jeff Lemire book, uh, Sentient, which is pretty cool. You know, it's also very similar where this AI ship is now raising these young kids and trying to have them survive in space. That's kind of cool, right? It gives me those vibes. But so the kid tries to uh, sneak through the air ducts, but some reason there's acid in them and like i get it yes uh, alien blood is acidic why is there just acid in the ducts though and why hasn't it melted it through the metal of the ducts like it's like there's no alien in there there's no dead body there's just there's just acid in there for no reason i don't i don't understand but either way okay air ducts they're a no-go that's that's the reason why all right mother tries to find another way she's like okay the only way you can get through is by going to the sub basement where cold storage is so the kid manages to get their way down there without getting spotted by alien, only to find the hive, where the alien queen, you know, has her babies, the eggs. And so, the kid's sneaking through, sneaking through, and uh, the AI ship's trying its best to not traumatize the kid, trying to get it to take the routes that are not, like, you know, where they won't see the uh, bodies on the walls with their chests exploding and everything. And uh, the AI, there's even a really, I do like this one moment where the AI's like, I make them take a more dangerous route just to spare them the pain of seeing their mother on the wall. And I'm like, that is, okay, that is good. I like that. I like that. It's like, yes, I exposed a child to more danger, but if I had exposed him to his dead mother, he, he would, he would freak out. He would not listen to me. He, he does not need that trauma. And I like that. I like that a lot. And so, the kid's going, going, but then finally one of the eggs starts to hatch, and the facehugger chases after him. He's running, running, running. The facehugger's about to catch him when Mother closes the uh, ship door on the uh, facehugger, and it just completely squishes the facehugger. And the the kid, you know, he thinks he's safe for a minute, but then all of a sudden, these claws come through the door and rip it open, and it's the alien queen. Now, once again, here we are again. Alien Queen just walking around. Now, you might could argue, oh, well, they just killed a facehugger. She she might be angry now. I don't know if that's a good enough reason to justify it. I mean, I mean, I don't know. What what did the, this child, you really think it's that big a threat? Why not just send a normal alien after them? Why, why is this child such a threat? You have other aliens on board, but I don't know. Either way, the Alien Queen, she's angry. And the reason we have it, by the way, just to let you know, there is narration where it's like, oh, oh, mother, the AI program, versus mother of the aliens. Oh, don't you get it? It's mother versus mother, right? We're playing with it. 
it's kind of like aliens. You know, the alien queen versus Ripley, who's become the surrogate mother of uh, Newt, right? Ain't that cool? It's forced. <laughs> it's forced. But I don't know. It's still, it's it's okay. But the alien queen is running after the kid. The kid's name is Joshua, by the way, but that's not that important. But anyway, mother gives it her all, trying to get Josh to safety. And what do you know? She manages to get him to the escape pod before the alien queen catches up. He gets rocketed off, and she sets the ship to self-destruct. And yeah, so he he survives. She did manage to save him, and she took out the rest of the aliens. And that's the end of the story. That was fine. That one was okay. Like, so there's there's a few little things that I was like, why is there acid in the ducts? Why why is uh the alien queen just running around? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> By the way, artwork was good for this. The artwork was good. The colors were cool. Like I said, they used a lot of green in this last story. A little bit too much for my liking. Just because, like, it feels cheap. Because, yes, the alien blood is green, right? But, I mean, then you're using it for all these others. Because, you know, at that point, you have black, white, red, and green as colors. It's like, ah. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, that's just my personal hangup. I know others aren't going to be bothered by that. But just to me, I'm just like, I don't know. I would have preferred them just using green for blood, right? Same same thing with red. Like, just use red for blood, but I don't know. It is what it is. I'm not going to complain about it too much. But my score for the anthology overall... Ugh, what am I going to give this? Here's the thing. The Stephanie Phillips story was fine, and the Ryan Katie story was fine. They were both passable, right? It's the Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansen story that really brings this book down for me. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to go six out of ten. I mean, and that that is me being a little bit generous. I'm just I'm thinking those two backup stories were good. They were decent. They were fine. The artwork throughout it is good. It's just that story by Lansen and Kelly. I could care less about. Like here's the thing. I like the I like the idea of the UPP, and I do want to see the UPP get explored. You know, like that that's an intriguing idea. And you could do some really interesting debates about like, oh, what are the pros and cons of socialism and pros and cons of capitalism? You you could do some really interesting stuff. But instead, I'm subjected to just these arrogant jerkwads who think so highly of themselves, and then the moment things hit the fan, they immediately betray their ideals, and it's just like you're none of you are likable, and I only know one of your names. And that's not good. Like, oh, oh. Yeah, 6 out of 10. That That's what I'm giving this book. Do I recommend you picking it up? Eh. Only if you're a diehard Alien fan like I am. I I picked it up. Am I dropping the book? Heck no. Nah. I'm, I'm, I'm too much of an Alien fan to drop it. Oh boy. Marvel, you, I really wish you had chosen better. But, I don't know. Phillips did good. She did fine. Katie did fine. Yeah. I don't know. But, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next book. The next competitor, everybody, is Predator, The Last Hunt number one. Predator, The Last Hunt number one is written by Ed Bryson with artwork by Francesco Mana, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letterer is VC's Clayton Coles. Now, when we last left off with the previous Predator book, Theta had gone up against three Predators who were running... Uh, a hunt on this preserved planet where they had a bunch of uh, soldiers and warriors, etc. I say warriors. A lot of uh, hardened individuals from throughout time. So, like, they, they had uh, soldiers for the future, soldiers from the past. They had uh, 
mobsters from the 90s, right? And by the end of it, they managed to save one person, and her and her friend Paolo decided to go off. Now, that was six years ago. This comic, you know, it's six years later, and we see Theta, she is now 40 years old. And for the past six years, ever since she killed that trio of predators, she has not ran into any predators whatsoever. They have updated their tactics, so now she can no longer track them. They no longer use the uh, black box tech that she has been using to track them. So she's completely lost her trail, and she's getting older, and she keeps trying to artificially enhance herself with, you know, uh, with uh, cybernetic parts and, you know, uh, all these different drugs and everything. But she just, she is not at her peak capacity like she once was. And she's desperate to try and kill more of them. And so, that's really cool. I really like that. I think it's really interesting. And, yeah. So, uh, basically, we just see her and her friend Paolo. Uh, Paolo has his own Predator suit now, which I am very, very happy about. And, you know, they're going around, they're investigating. They come across this tribe who just got hunted by uh, Predators. And, you know, while they're investigating some more of the uh, alien life forms that had been, and I say alien life forms, extraterrestrial life forms, not xenomorphs, uh, show up to find their uh, brethren and their, you know, uh, fellow clan members dead and beheaded, hanging from the uh, stalactites or whatever it is they're hanging from. And those aliens start attacking Theta and Paolo, and they immediately try to get out of there. Paolo's about to go on the defensive when Theta's me like, no, no, they're innocents. They they have mistaken us. Just run, okay? We're not going to hurt these innocents, right? They They're as much victims as these people are. That's hanging in front of us, right? So they run off. They manage to get back to their ship. Uh, Theta slams into Paolo a little bit about it. And Paolo's just like, I'm sorry. It was just instinct. They were coming at me. And I just, I, I panic. And I'm not like you, Theta. And she tries to, you know, realize that. She tries to think it over. and Like, yeah, he's right. You know, I've been doing this for over 20 years now. He's He's just put on the suit, you know. It's not fair of me to be this harsh on him, but at the same time, he was about to kill those innocents. So it's it's pretty cool. And uh, we do have the scene earlier in the comic where we do see a predator hunting these creatures. And this is a, uh, I don't know when this is. This is, let's see, 2066. So this is two years before uh, where we see Theta and Paolo. So I, I don't know what's the significance of this. I don't know. I think this is... I think this will tie in. I'll, I'll talk about it more later. But I just I need to go in and bring that up now, otherwise you're going to be confused. So, yeah, so the comic opens up with uh, this predator in the year 2066 landing, hunting prey, and then we flash forward to 2068 where we see Theta and Paolo encountering those aliens trying to kill them, right? So they escape. Like I said, they have their argument. And then Paolo's like, alright, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm just going to go work and try and see if I can find another way to track the predators who are obviously here. And so, you know, Theta is uh, just thinking to herself, and she's like, it's been so many years since I've seen a Predator. Our, all our data is becoming more and more useless every day. Uh, they're now leaving the heads behind on pikes of the uh, creatures they kill, and it's supposed to be a mocking of her, because that's what she used to do. When she would kill a Predator, she would take a spike, put it in the ground, and put the heads of the Predators on it. So now they're leaving those behind as like a taunt, like, ha ha, you're too slow, you can't catch up to us anymore. And I I really like that. The Predators are douchebags like that. So she's all like upset about it. And then uh, 
Paolo goes to work on trying to find another way, but at the same time, he's also working on this project that Theta has requested of him. And she's like, oh, have you finished work on that? He's like, yes, I finally finished it. Are you sure you want this? Because what it is, it is kind of a, it's a seppuku device. Uh, she is afraid that the next time she fights Predator, her body will fail her. She's, she's afraid that she will fail, and she does not want to give the Predator the satisfaction of beating her. So, she, she just has this, uh, inject, injector that as soon as she puts it in herself, her, uh, muscles will start spasming, she won't be able to breathe, you will start throwing up, you, you will die within a few seconds. And it's like, okay, I, I do like that. I think that is really cool. Like, hey, she, now this isn't like, oh, I'm going to use this at any time. This is for, hey, I finally found another predator. I am fighting them. It looks like it's not going to go in my favor. I'm going to screw over the predator and deny him a kill. Or them. I'm sorry, not not to be sexist. Deny the predator a kill. And so, Paolo's like, I hate that you asked me to make that. He's like, killing yourself isn't a plan. Not after everything you've worked for. And she's like, no, no, I will, I refuse to give them the satisfaction. She's like, and let's, let's not kid ourselves. I'm lucky that I've made it to 40 years old. And I'm not gonna lie, the artwork does not make her look 40, but hey, I, I guess, I guess healthy living and cybernetic parts do that. <laughs> and all them drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, I, I refuse to be one of the dang trophies on their walls. So thank you for making this for me. And I like that. I do like that a whole lot. It just shows how cool she is of a character and how far she has come over the past three series. I really, really enjoy it. And so, uh, so she then goes off and, uh, Paolo, he starts working on, uh, something that he recovered from the last place they investigated where the, uh, the extraterrestrials were attacking them. And he had found some kind of like stone device thing or whatever. And it's it's just weird. It's just, it looks like a like a gem almost. And so he's tinkering with it, tinkering with it, and then he finally figures out what it is. And he's like, "Data, you need to come here. I found something with from the bodies earlier." And she's like, "What is it?" He's like, I, "I couldn't tell what it was at first, but it's a beacon." And she's like, "What a beacon? What to to where?" And he's like, "I don't know, but it looks like the the way it's pinging, you know, the beacon from this uh place, you know, showing where they need to go." It's like beeping like an SOS signal. And so they're like, okay, well, may maybe this is it. Maybe somebody like slipped this on a predator or whatever. Or maybe one of the predators like got a distress signal from uh, uh, this planet and now they're trying to go back, right? By the way, they decide to investigate. They go, they check it out, and they find a crashed predator ship, right? And it's pretty cool. And this, this is not like a normal predator ship. This is not like just a hunting trip or ship. This is a massive cargo ship. And so, uh, uh, Paolo is me like, this ship looks like it's been here for years. Do you really think there's going to be any survivors? And Theta's like, well, there's only one way to find out. So they go in there in their predator suits to investigate. And as they're looking around, they discover like, oh, hey, this is okay. Yes, this is, this is a transport ship, right? And, uh, here are some pods and it has dead bodies inside. So they're like, oh crap, th this is a ship that's been transporting those uh, cryogenically frozen people that we were talking about, or that we uh, saw in the last series, Predator to Preserve, where I told y'all that they took these uh, warrior individuals and they've been freezing them and then putting them on preserved planets to hunt. So yeah, so this is really cool. This is the transport ship they use. And they immediately start speculating and theorizing, and it's pretty cool, because, you know, 
they're they're being really logical about it because uh Powler's like uh okay we don't know for sure this is actually a transport ship maybe this is where they're just storing them in general and Theta's like no way they would not put all their eggs in one basket uh you said it yourself this ship it's you know it's big it's clunky and it's purely here to transport like you you can just look at it and tell this is how they get the uh the people to the different preserved planets and just yeah they, they would not put all their eggs in the basket it just it doesn't make sense predators would never do that and so yeah it's pretty cool like so they're really they're really thinking it out and they're looking through looking through looking through and they're like okay well we still need to find out how on earth that beacon got to uh the last planet right and so uh they're they're talking about it when they find the corpse of a predator and this predator was killed by a staff and it's been dead for years and Theta's immediately pissed because she's like it's the first predator i've seen in half a decade and someone else killed it and she she is like really angry about it and so uh palos me like okay let, let's get back to the uh sandpiper uh we can come back tomorrow and start cataloging everything and so they start to head off and you know Paolo does look back for a minute and starts thinking about uh what could kill the predator like what on earth would it be when Theta's like come on Paolo let's not waste time let's go and so so they go back and they start looking at the data and they find uh one of the uh, predator uh planet reserves right and they they see the uh the GPS the map basically where the ship has been where it's been going to etc so uh they finally find, like, the place it visits the most, and it's like, okay, that's where they're keeping their stasis farms. This is what we've been looking for. We can go, we can save all those people, and maybe, may, just maybe, that's actually the Predator homeworld. And Palos me like, that's that's kind of a stress theta, a stretch theta. And uh, she's she's like, oh, well, maybe not. I mean, we, there's only one way to find out. We need to go out there, we need to save those people, kill the predators and maybe we can find out more and we can kill more like she, she's just obsessed with killing the predators and Paolo's trying to talk uh sense into her and they just keep going back and forth on it back and forth and uh uh it ends with theta just saying uh look we know where they're keeping those people and we owe it to them to save them and that was like and, and Paolo's like yes we do owe it to them but we need to take the time before rushing off because we can't just run in half cocked. Because if we do, that's how we're gonna die, and then nobody's gonna get saved. So pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, we then see later that night they are sleeping, and there is a mysterious figure in the bush outside their ship, and we see he triggers or they trigger the proximity alarm. The ship starts going off, you know, the sandpiper. And to me, like, a uh, perimeter breach, perimeter breach. And they're like, oh, crap. And uh, Theta's me like, oh, it's a predator? Where's the predator? And they're like, it's not a predator. It, this is a humanoid shape. And she's like, ah, oh, damn it. And she's like, all right, fine. If it's not a predator, then turn off the dang alarm. I need to be able to he think, hear myself think. Uh, keep me posted on their position, though, right? So they slowly start to go towards uh, the uh, doors to the spaceship. And they both have their pistols drawn, and they're slowly creeping towards it, when all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. And <laughs> and Pella's just like, are they seriously knocking? And the person outside's like, hello, anybody home? I'm friendly, I swear. 
And uh, Palin's like, what do we do? And Theta's like, open the door. And <laughs> Palin's like, open the door? You can't be serious. And she's like, Palin, it's two of us, one of them. And if they are a human, if they survive the crash, we need to help. She's like, just keep your weapon trained and we'll be fine. And they open the door and the person's like, hey, no need for that. I come in peace. My name is John Schaefer. And I got 50 folks out here hoping that you might be able to get us off this planet. Even better, if you got some cold beers for the trip. Now, I know some of you may be wondering, who on earth is John Schaefer? John Schaefer is the brother of Dutch. You know, Arnold's character from the original Predator movie? Yeah, this is Dutch's brother. And he is a Dark Horse character. He was created, created during the 90s. And he was in a bunch of comics. He, he was kind of the star for the comics during that time. And yeah, he's he's fought a bunch of predators. So this this is a really cool, like it's it's like oh, Marvel's finally bringing in some of the dark horse stuff. Ain't that really cool? And it is. But I just I don't know this this didn't really hit me like I wanted it to. It's a cool reveal. Don't get me wrong. But John Schaefer in those comics, he was very Arnold esque, like you know, like very stoic, very like you know, uh, stern, like. Every once in a while, yeah, you might get a one-liner out of him, you know, like you did with Arnold in the Predator movie. But he, he was basically he was he was he was Dutch in the comics. They just they didn't have the rights to use Arnold for those comics. They couldn't use Dutch, so they just like, oh, we're gonna use John Schaefer. He's just gonna be the blonde version of Dutch, right? And he's gonna be an NYPD homicide detective. But he still fought Predators. He fought Predators a lot of times during the nineties. So this is a cool this is a cool character, and he's even in his uh. Uh, trademark Hawaiian shirt because that's thing after he quits slash retires from the NYPD he goes around like I say he goes around he's hunting predators like in Russia and uh, I believe the Amazon even at one point and that was his trademark was wearing a uh, yellow Hawaiian shirt so it's it's pretty cool but so I get a little this one seems a little too I don't want to say jokey but like you know he he's very non-serious from the appearance of it, because, you know, he's like me, like, I'm a friendly, you don't need to shoot, I got about 50 folks here, maybe you can get us off this planet and give us some cold beers for the trip, like, it's like, this is not, that's not how John Schaefer talks to me, John Schaefer, he's, he would be very serious, but like, be like, my name is John Schaefer, I need 50, I need help for these 50 people here, we need to get off this planet before more predators come, he'd be very stoic, very serious, not like, oh, uh, uh, even better if you got cold beers for the trip. Like I don't, I don't see him saying that. Like that, that. Oh, this guy comes off a little bit more bruh-ish, if you know what I mean. Like you know, he comes off as like a Chad, and I'm like, he's not a Chad. Like no. But I don't know. The rest of the comic was good though. I will say it was good. Just this last, this last page right here. Just it definitely made me go like, oh, what the heck? Are, are we? Like now, I'm I'm wondering, is this going to be a play? Like, oh, maybe this isn't John Schaefer. Maybe it's somebody else posing as John Schaefer. Maybe I don't know. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. I just think this is more of be like, hey, we're we're bringing back the original character, but we're changing him up. We're making him uh different from the original source material because don't you know we can't do exactly what the previous people did. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's so odd. It's so bizarre. But I am happy he's here, and I am happy that Marvel has finally decided, hey, we we can bring back uh characters from Dark Horse, we don't have to go with that continuity, we can reinvent them. So that that's the thing, I I don't think I'm happy as of right now with this reinvention. Now, you could easily 
fix it. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So, it, it's fixable. Maybe this isn't John Schaefer. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just Marvel's version of John Schaefer. We'll have to find out. But yeah, so overall, I really like the artwork. Uh, there are There is one or two scenes in here, I won't lie, where I'm like, okay, that Predator looks a little goofy, right? Like, with their mask. Because, like, when there's a scene where, like, they're jumping down and, like, their head's tilted upward, so you just see their mask, but the mask looks so bizarre because it doesn't look like they have a neck underneath. It's just the mask, and it just, it doesn't, the artwork didn't do it justice. So, but otherwise, the artwork is good. The artwork is pretty dang good. It's Francesco Mana, and he's good. I, I like their artwork. The colors are good. Yeah, if I had to give this score, I, I'm going to go 7.5. Three. I, I almost go 7.5, but I don't know. Just that last page really, really got to me. And I was just like, what are you doing with John Schaefer? Like, this does not feel like John Schaefer. You know, like, like to me, you know how cool it would have been where just you open the door, it's John Schaefer, and he's like, finally, we got... Uh, and he'd just be like, alright, good, we finally got some help. We need to get off this planet before the Predators come back. You know, like, that would have been cool. Just have him be the stoic bad A that we know him to be. But instead it's just like, oh no, he's like, hey, I got 50 people here. We could all use some uh, help and some beers. Chop, chop. Like, no. 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 Oh, okay. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just overreacting. I'm sure I am. I know some people don't know who John Schaefer is. This will be their first introduction to him. Maybe it'll sit better with y'all. It just doesn't sit right with me because it just, it does not feel like the same character, but I mean, he literally only said like four sentences too, so maybe I'm just being too harsh. Maybe I am, but either way, seven point three. That's that's where I'm going. So who wins the Alien versus Predator competition? It's the Predator. Yay! <laughs> oh, okay, I, I wish I could say it was close, but Predator, no, Predator easily won this competition. Um. Yeah, hey, maybe we'll have it again. Uh, hopefully, these books will fall on the same week again, so I can have a second competition. Maybe we could get a sequel, but I don't know. We'll, we'll have to find that out, but I have talked for almost 45 minutes, guys. My God, let me go on and get off here. I know I talked y'all's ears off. Thank you so much for listening. I am very, very happy I got to do an Alien and Predator uh, competition, and hopefully, eventually, Marvel will give us an actual comic with Aliens versus Predators. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. But thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you all later.